You are now listening to Black Guy Therapy, a therapeutic podcast. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Ooh, that never gets old. Not for me anyway. Never. Welcome, Black Guy Therapy. If this is your first time listening to us, know that we are a therapeutic podcast. And we can't say that enough. With Therapy the Podcast. Uh, designed for black men to talk about our uh, issues and, um, you know, just talk things out, really. I mean, yep. um, we, we vent about things that we generally wouldn't vent with people, um, people who look like us or any other persons. Um, so this is a place, this is a safe space for us to uh, talk about it. Yeah. Whatever that is. Whatever mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, what's up, Joe? What's happening, my brother? Oh, you know, I'm just happy to be here. Um, I feel a lot better now. Um, now that I, I took the LSAT this morning at seven in the morning. Really? Jesus Christ. <laughs> when I say, you know, because you got to do it at home now because of COVID. You don't right. do it in person right. anymore right now, or at least right now. Mm-hmm. Um I took the LSAT, my screen's locked down, and there's like a proctor who's controlling my screen and like looking at me through my camera, right, while I mm-hmm. take this test. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, you know, if he sees me cry a little bit, I think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was different. Um, it was difficult. Uh, and, and, and not to go off on a tangent about the LSAT, but nothing in that test is going to make me a better lawyer. Truth. So, so, so what I was going to ask you to do, because I don't know if everybody knows what the LSAT is. You kind of alluded to it just right now, but yeah. give them a little background yeah. on what that is. So if you don't know what the LSAT is, especially people who aren't in the States, right? Right. If you don't know what the LSAT is, it's the law school admissions test. Mm-hmm. It's the test that you have to take uh, to get into law school in the States, Right. And you have to score, the score goes from like 120 to 180. Mm-hmm. 180 being perfect, 120 being the lowest. But you got to get somewhere in the middle there. I think most schools take a median about 150-ish. Okay. Dead center. Dead center. It's dead center. Yep. Um, but a lot of, because because it's so competitive right now, because a lot of kids are staying in school because we're going through kind of a semi-recession, right? Yeah. Um, you know, they're taking higher scores, 160s, 170s, stuff like that. So very tough right now to get in law school. But, I, you know, I ain't gonna, this is my opinion, in my opinion only. I think if I'm black right now trying to get in law school, I'm probably going to be okay. Yeah. Because uh, it's not a lot of us. Right, right. And they're trying to help fix that problem. So. Right. So there you go. Diversity and inclusion is at the top of the list. Yes. It reminds me of affirmative action. It, I said something, didn't I? You said something. <laughs> it touched my soul a little bit. So if you don't mind, I'm going to jump right to that. Yeah, go cool. ahead. That's what we're here for. So affirmative action to me used to, I used to be bothered by it. And I was bothered by it because I didn't want folks outside of our race to be like the only reason you're here is because of this yes you're not capable you're not qualified and it used to make me angry because the 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 narrative around it for other folks specifically was that yeah i didn't get into college because this person got in yeah somebody took my spot somebody took and these are conversations i actually had with people outside of our race not saying that they were the ones, but yeah, I had a friend that was impacted by this. And it always takes me back to the same thing. And I always ask this question to any time I have this conversation. So why do you think this exists in the first place? And that's a, that's a great, that's a great point, right? Why does it exist? Yeah. You know, I think this, and I'm going to hit you with some, some history. You know, I'm a history Let's guy. Do it. I'm a history guy. Yeah. When was the civil rights laws enacted? Which ones? Oh, 
you smart. You're smart. <laughs> see, see, I thought I was going to get you. That was no, a good question. Yeah, which Cause, one? Because there was two sets, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people know the civil rights laws of, was it 1965? Mm-hmm. But there were civil rights laws, was it 18... 1800? Yeah, 1870, 1870 something? Or 18, late 1800s. I know it was late 1800s. I'm not sure exactly when. And I think they were repealed in like the 1870s, right? Okay. Um, but yeah, so... In those early, the first set of civil rights laws, right, um, there was almost like an affirmative action Mm -hmm. deal Mm -hmm. um, that was inserted in there, right? Like you had uh, Sherman Sherman's order, shorter Sherman's number fifteen order. Remember, you know what that is? No, I don't. That's forty acres and a mule, baby. See, General Sherman's order number fifteen. Okay, forty acres and a mule. So you you know they had that going on down the coast. The Freedmen's Bureau. Yes. Right. So mm-hmm. the Freedmen's Bureau, which is responsible for um, a lot of our HBCUs that are still yes in existence today. Right. TSU. Well, not TSU. I'm sorry. TSU is an HBCU, but they I don't think they were by the Freedmen's Bureau. And then let's talk about Fisk, definitely created by the Freedmen's Bureau in mm-hmm. 1900s. Yep. So. So here's here's something funny. I went to a. uh so I'm going to be transparent here for a second okay. to, to all of our listeners. I actually was on the verge of getting into trouble when I was in Michigan. I wound up leaving Michigan to pursue sports because that was my only way out. But the college that I went to, I did not realize at the time it was an HBCU. Which one was that? Southwestern Christian College, Terrell, Texas. Hmm. HBCU. Yes. And the president there, I, I don't even know if he's still the president, Jack Evans Sr., was the longest tenured president of an HBCU. He had, at that point, had 50 years under his belt. Wow. Yeah. So he has some, he's seen some things. Big time things. Yeah. And his son, Jack Jr., who was the basketball coach or basketball coach slash AD. Yeah. Because uh, again, it's NAIA. Uh, there, are, there are D1 schools that do that. Really? Not many. The the last one that I know where the AD was also one of the coaches would be Louisiana Tech when Derek Dooley was the head football coach and also the athletic director. Dooley, your boy. He eventually found his way to UT. I hate him. (laughs) Hate him. (laughs) Yeah. um, But yeah, yeah. So so I found out it was an HBCU and I was like, wow. And and it kind of so here's my HBCU experience. Unfortunately, it was at an NAIA school. So if, if you don't know the difference between Division One, Two, Three, and then everything yeah. below it, Todd was a superior athlete. I was a baby athlete. Well, because what they say, and I'm not, I'm not knocking the NAIA because especially in the game of football, like there are a lot of players in the NFL who come from NAIA schools. But like mm-hmm. when it comes to like other sports like basketball, NAIA towards like a, you know, D one right like it's like elite and right out of the second level of high school exactly right? yeah exactly and and generally what you'll see is you'll have a lot of guys who are right there that second level of high school and the standouts in those programs are guys who can't get the grades yep who have been in trouble and are trying to assimilate yeah and find their way back so they can get to D one yep so we had guys that were D one talents. Came you, down, even came down from D1, probably. Trying to get up to D1. Oh, ah, okay. Yeah. Because you see a lot of people, that happens where, they, where they're where they get in trouble at yep. a big school and then they got to yep. come down and yep. come like, back up. Uh, 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 last Chance you. Yeah, Last Chance you. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, no, a lot of these guys, well, the majority of the guys that I came into contact with were guys who got into trouble first. Ah, uh, yeah. So and we're trying. Yeah, so reborn, they had to. Got to be reborn. Yes. Yeah. I got to do my time here first. Then I'll go. So guys were going to like uh, FA, uh, Florida Atlantic Coast, uh, or you know some of the schools yeah. down in Florida. Yeah, Florida Atlantic Gulf Coast. Is that Gulf what's Coast, called? Yeah. Florida Atlantic Gulf Coast. Yeah. 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 So guys were going to schools like that, and it, and it was interesting. I was actually there during Katrina, so a lot of the people who were at a lot of the uh, Louisiana schools and then the Texas schools on the on the border with Louisiana, they gave them free tuition. To come to our school. That's legit. Yeah. And um, got in trouble with that, too. One of the guys, they didn't vet properly and. Just let everybody in. Yeah, whoa, 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 let them on whoa, in. Whoa, now. What are you doing? Got, <laughs> guy named Black. Black was probably about uh, 32 years old. Wow. 
but he was out there hooping. Wow. So, yeah. But I, I learned a lot just about, you know, when you when one of the things that bothered me about HBCUs that I used to kind of fuss about was when you have these folks of color who are in these positions, they're not really willing to bend a lot. And after I left school, I came down here, gave up on the basketball dreams because I knew that that wasn't going to take me anywhere. Came down here to Nashville, uh, started working with a real estate investment company, went back to the school with the guy who started the company I was with. We were, well, not we were, he was presenting opportunities to build dorms for them. And they were like, no. And it was like, wow. And it, it let me know then that they were so afraid of people coming in to do something. They didn't know why they were trying to do something and trying to help. Yeah. And I was like, this is the lack of progress. This is the impact of somebody who's been in this position for 50 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm going to bounce. I mean, I'm going to go adjacent. I guess I'm going to say this is, this is going to be what you just said adjacent, but is it not the same with like our politics? Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? Like we got Absolutely. You I, I saw an interesting stat like the other day, and I know I'm about to butcher the stat, so I'm not look this up because I'm about to butcher it, right? Do your own research. But the like mm-hmm. median age of um of our Senate or our Congress or some shit is like sixty three. Jesus. But the median age of people in America is like thirty five makes sense so now you have 65 year old people who are out of touch making rules for 35 year old people who are in the shit essentially right because you you 63 years old you you about to retire right Mm -hmm. or if not retired yeah that's a generation removed and and what's interesting i'm I'm a part of a group called the the ylc young leaders council of nashville and one of the conversations we had as a part of that was and this is actually the input that i shared i said What I've noticed a lot of times in meetings when I'm in them is there's this generational gap with your boomers, Gen Z, uh, millennials, Gen X. There's such a gap with all of these folks in the way they think. Yeah. So that means our boomers who are primarily going to be the ones holding those positions that you're talking about. They're going to be your ones in government, in the uh, C-level executive positions. Uh, in in most organizations. So what happens when the thought process of a millennial comes up against that thought process? And that's what we're seeing. So when you're looking at the folks on the streets, it's black, white, it's all of these various cultures. It's these people that just think differently. Yeah. And and I had a conversation. I got a random text. I'm glad we're having this talk today. Yeah. I got a random text message. And I just want to read you this conversation real quick. Because it was, it was strange to me. Number one, I don't know how this person got my phone number. Uh, but number two, I was like, I got time today. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'm here for it. <laughs> yep. So the text said, hi, I'm Amanda, volunteering in the upcoming election. Is this Joel? So I'm like, who in the world? How did this person get my? So I said, yes, it is. And they said, great. We're fewer than five weeks away from the election. Can we count on your support for Joe Biden and the Democrats? <laughs> I got a text like that today, too. Did I think, you? I think so. So here's my response. Trump is certainly a clown in in uh, air quotes, because yeah. that's what Biden called him during the, the yeah. debate. But will I hear from you after the election? America's issue is a heart condition. There's too much hate in the hearts of those with the resources to maintain systemic oppression and injustice. Will a tangible plan be implemented that I can assist with? I totally agree with you, and I worry about that too. You can read more about Biden's plan for racial and economic equality here if that helps. I said, thanks, Amanda. I'm hoping that when we get some peop- some policies enacted, That'll help some people. It'll heal some of those hearts, too. That was the end of the conversation. Okay. And I said, so you understand where I'm coming from. You hear me. You say you agree. But you're still trying to push a specific candidate on me. That was bothersome for me. Yeah. Because it did not deal with the actual issue that this country is facing. So you felt like she came at you wrong. Not necessarily that she came at me wrong. She was doing her job. Yeah. 
I mean, that she's a, that's a script. That's a script. Yeah. For sure. But my problem is, outside of the script, who are you? How do you feel? What do you think? Because there's a whole lot of folks out there that are going by a script. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, while I respect you because you're just doing your job, tell me this. After this is over, would you dare text me and ask me any questions about uh, equity or equality for people of color like myself? I'm going to venture to say it's going to be like that. What do you think? I'm going to agree 100%. And that's what bothers me about the, the forceful nature in the push for voting for the president this year, 2020 specifically. Among others, but this year specifically, it's like, I get it. I totally understand. We need to, we need to be able to take advantage of the rights that we have based on those who died for those rights. But once that's done, what are we doing? Yeah. It, <clears throat> I mean, this is kind of, it's, it's reminiscent of what I've, what I've read in the past, right? Like, um, during reconstruction, mm. um, how there was so much progress Yes, or what we thought seemingly, to be seemingly progress. progress. Right? Yes. Um, black people in the South could vote. Mm-hmm. However, white or uh, black people in the North could not vote. Right. Like, so it's like, well, how can I vote in the South, but I can't vote in the North. I'm supposed to be free here. Right. Yes. Like there's this, there's this illusion of yes. progress. Yes. But the but the conversations are essentially like the same, or at least very parallel, right? Like very, very, very parallel. When you think about, um, I'll take Jews as for an example. When once Lincoln was killed, mm-hmm. uh, who who became the president? Wasn't it a brother? No, 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 no. no that was uh, never mind. I'm, I'm, I'm. It was not a brother. I'm out of my. I'm out. He of was from Tennessee, but he's not a brother. Jackson, Andrew yeah. Jackson. I didn't, um, yeah, no, Johnson. We have a Jackson and a Johnson. We have two presidents, Andrew Andrew Jackson and Andrew Andrew Johnson. Johnson, Yes. So Andrew Johnson became the president. Andrew Johnson rolled back everything that Lincoln pushed forward. Yes. Right. So then that was how, you know, the dynamic shifted. Right. Mm -hmm. But you had DC was the Mecca for black people because that's where black people could work. Yeah. Um, they, so they were moving there in flocks yeah. and you had those leaders that you talk about who had been leaders for a long time. So Frederick Douglass older, he's older at this time yeah. and he's trying to win the Republican party's heart to push policies for black people. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's like falling on deaf ears. It is. So it, it, it I, I say that to say, you know, he was trying to push something, but black people at that time were like, I, I don't know about that. Like you, you got too much faith in this group yes, and not enough faith in our people. And we yes. have some issues there. So yes. I don't know. That's very parallel to me. It is. I'm, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think the the most downplayed quality amongst humanity is character. And, and I feel like currently we're banking on a system which is not a person, no heartbeat, no pulse, no blood, none of that. Yeah. A system to suddenly be like people using me as the system speaking. People using me, this isn't fair to the other people. Yeah. Be fair to the other people. That's not how it works. Yeah. And I, I'm simply suggesting to all if voting is on your heart, on your conscience, do it. Do the research and then vote. Yeah, most definitely. If it's not, you're not a horrible person. It's okay. But for both groups, voters, non-voters, what are you going to do after, as your boy said, November 2nd? Yeah. That's what... uh. The AG said, no, 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 no. It wasn't him. It was the lawyer for Breonna Taylor's. What's his uh, name? That goofy. Oh, uh, Sean Merritt. Was it Lee Merritt? Is it Lee Merritt? Is I don't it, know is if that Lee Merritt had. No, no, no. That wasn't Lee Merritt. No, it was the, the other brother. Yeah, uh, the goofy, goofy. 
the ball headed. Yeah, brother. I can't think of his name. I know you're talking about. He was like, and on on November second, and everybody in the crowd started yelling, "It's November third, November third. Uh-huh. He was like, and on November third. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of that dude's name. I can't either right now. I can see his face though. See him on TV. Yep. But my point is simple. Don't allow moments in time to be dominant over the 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 full amount of time i guess that's the best way i can say it right now but don't don't allow a moment to be more important than the next or the next or the next and that's what i think people do with voting they make that moment that singular moment more important than all of the other moments and as we say on this show all the time at least i know i say it all the time is there's so many ways to fight this fight for injustice and equality Voting is one of them. We have to have people that do that. But there are other areas to fight also. The question I ask is, are you fighting in any other area? Or did you go vote, get your sticker, take a picture, put it on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and that's it? Yeah. That's interesting. Which leads me to another point since we're on the subject of vote. First off, go vote. If if that's what you do, go vote. Mm-hmm. I mean, do especially it. as an African American in America, yeah. The the history behind us in voting, yeah. and, and how black men had the balls chopped off, yes, and how you know people were lynched, yes, for it. Like, there's something to be said about voting, even if it ain't even what you want to do. Right, it's. it's there's something symbolic about it. Very. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's a power yeah, move. Yeah. Even for if sure. you don't think that, and, and again, we say this all the time. If your vote didn't matter, they wouldn't try so hard to suppress it. Yeah. Right. But, um, do what you need to do on election day. Yeah. Um, I encourage people to vote early. That way you don't have to deal with the nonsense. Cause it's coming. <clears throat> oh, it's already coming. I mean, if, mm-hmm. and that leads us to the next topic, right? Like we'll, and we'll hit this quick. I guess we'll try to hit it quick. Um, but you know, there was a debate. There was a debate. a debate this week. <laughs> yes, we did have a debate. I, I, it actually wasn't much of a debate it at wasn't. all. It was just a yelling match. Yes. Right? So. A shouting match. And, and, and clearly Biden wasn't with it because yeah. he did not shout as much. Yeah. But uh, here's the thing. I honestly think that was Trump's strategy. At, so they call that smoke and mirrors. Yeah. If I can get this to become the focal point, how can we talk about real issues? Yeah. So the one real issue at the end of the debate, and I'm not even, I don't know how far you want to go into this, but I'll bring oh, it up. We're here. We're here okay. for the duration. So the one issue that came up where it was like, all right, let's focus on this. President Trump, are you willing right now in front of all of these folks watching, listening, whatever, to denounce white supremacists. And he did everything in his power to tap dance. Yeah. To tap dance around it. And when he, well, well, who, who do you want me to? The Proud Yo, Boys? Yeah, he's like, well, and then he tried to say, who say, who you want me to say? I'll say it right here, yeah. right? There's something like, something yes. to that effect, right? Yes. So my thought is, I'm I'm one million percent anti pedophilia. If somebody says, Joel, do you denounce pedophilia? You know what I'm gonna say? Hell yeah. Yes. And twice on Sundays. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I, I believe that pedophiles should be turned over to the families of their victims. And I guarantee we can slow that down. Joel's thoughts. Yeah. Another topic, another day. But that's how I would respond if I feel strongly. I don't want to misquote, but I'm pretty positive his response to that was after he mentioned the Proud Boys by name was stand back and stand by. Comma, full stop. (laughs) Stand by. So I'm like, that's denouncing? Well, let's think about what does stand by mean? Stand by for anything I've ever heard in my life means wait for it. Mm-hmm. wait for it and in this case if you listen to the proud boys or any militia group or any white supremacist group 
uh, white nationalist group, anything that's anti everything outside of other white folks is there's a war coming. Yep. So what I heard was wait in the wings, wait yep. for me to give the signal. When I give the signal, because I've already put it out there on wax several times, the election's going to be rigged. If I lose, it's because they cheated. Yep. If they've cheated, I'm telling you, go get them. Yep. I listened to a, to this white man, and he, he, he self-proclaimed redneck is what he called himself. Us rednecks, we ready. Hold that, on. That's hold what on. he was saying. I'm going to play the clip. For you know the, the one I'm talking about? I'm going to play the clip for the people. We're going to play the clip for the people. Let's hear it. But come November, there's a war coming. That's it. Whoever wins, it's down to two. We already know this. Third party, they don't even matter. It's down to two. One or the other is going to win. As a certain supporter, we know which one's going to win. Trump 2020. But there's a thing about it. The reason why I say there's a war coming is because if Trump wins, Black Lives Matter and all them other Antifa dumbasses are going to try to start war. We ready. Don't worry. We, we ready. Us rednecks and stuff, we ready for y'all. But if Biden wins, we coming. And we coming strong. There's something to be said about that. Very, man, so much to be said about that. And if you break it down, he, he said a lot of things he without did. saying a lot of things. Yes, a lot of insinuation, a lot we of innuendo. We rednecks is ready. Yes. That, we racist motherfuckers yes. is ready. Yes. So so let's break that down real quick. Redneck is the equal but opposite to nigga. Exactly. So he's only, he ain't talking about other black, he ain't talking about black folk. Yeah. Hispanic folk, Asian folk. African folk. He's talking about other white folk. The other, as as we would say, the the white trash type. Yes. Or the people who identify. I mean, kind of like black people. You know, I I, I feel like I'm a classy black person, but mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I may still be a nigga, right? Right. Like, so he that's he My. that's how he's talking. Yes. So he's speaking specifically. In my opinion, he's speaking specifically, candidly. To his folk that look like him. That's the first part. Us rednecks. Yep. Then he said another thing. It doesn't matter. He, he basically said it doesn't. I don't care who wins. Yep. Whoever wins, we are going to try to hurt some folks. Exactly. Trump by I don't care who wins. We've been training for this our entire lives. Somebody getting shot. Yep. That's what I heard from it. Yeah, I, it's funny, you know, I think about when Obama was elected. Yep. I was in college. I had dope boy car, right? I had a, a, a maroon limo tent Impala with a, you know, two twelves in the back. I, I was. I yeah, was you there. was lunch meat for the police. Yeah, I was there. Yep. We, as soon as he won. We rode around campus bumping Jeezy's My President's Black. And we rode through like the white part. On purpose. On purpose. Yeah. And everything that that man said was what they were thinking. Yeah. But because we didn't have, we it had never been done before. This what we're, what we're going through now has never been, I say it's never been done. It's been done many times, but yeah. not in our modern day. Right, right. right. Like. They probably, you know, thinking back, like if that was, if then was now and that happened, would they have shot out the window? Absolutely. And said, oh, they came, they had guns. Yes. And they, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Like it's just different now, right? Yes. Yes. So, you, yeah. you would have been vilified for sure. And by being vilified, any means, it, it's funny because by any means necessary, Yep. Is a quote from our brother, yep. Malcolm. But they would have used any means to vilify you and justify their response. Yep. 
which leads me to another adjacent, you know, vilifying and justifying a response, right? Okay. Oh, Jesus. So many adjacents. This Man. is a very adjacent uh, episode today. It is. Right? It is. So, I'm about to talk about your boy. Who? Daniel Cameron. Oh. I'm about to talk. I, I'm about to talk about him. But we we have talked about this, brother. We have. And again, let me let me remind the folks, Daniel Cameron is a black man, the AG for Kentucky. The Commonwealth of Kentucky. Mm-hmm. You didn't see what he said about how his people are calling him like Uncle Tom and saying he's traded he's a traitor to his race, which I'm not saying he's a traitor. But if somebody else said it, I'm not going to disagree. All right. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say it. So let me throw this out there before you go here. I thought it was interesting. I did not pay attention. And, and see, this is why the internet is in, undefeated. They were like, what person do you know gets married or, or proposes and has their engagement photos and has this party and ain't nobody that looks like them? When nobody in there, you saw in the picture? Attendance. Did you see the picture? I did. And I, 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 do, I was like, wait a minute. Let me go back and look. His mama was there. What's she, see, I didn't see. His mama was there. It was, one, it, was, it was him. I think that was his mama. And that was it. See, I didn't see any people. So it might have been a picture too. Yeah. But the reality is him and his mama, that's it. Yeah. I, 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 and I, I am assuming, full disclosure, I'm assuming that Likewise. that was his mother. Likewise. Yeah. Because it looked like it could have been his right. mother. It's either right. his mother, his sister, his, his somebody. Yes. But somebody related to him and not the other people in the picture. And let me qualify this statement. Todd, and I'm, I'm speaking for Todd because I know this brother. We don't care who you marry. Yeah. We don't care who you want to date. Yep. But when everything that you do fits a narrative, you kind of indict yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and here's the thing. I will never... I'm gonna say this. Brother. <laughs> I'm gonna Oofsa. say this. I'm never gonna talk about my people. Okay. But I will. I will be very critical of you if if I observe you doing Suckish. wrong. We we we're gonna we're gonna have we're gonna have a conversation. Yeah. Now what you do after we have that conversation, that's it's on, on you. Me. But I had to get it off my chest and let you understand. Like, hey, look, right, Daniel Cameron. Okay. He has done. You know what? I'm gonna stop. Have you? Did you see what he said on 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 uh, Fox about about the whole situation about um, how he's he's was a traitor to his people? No, I have not seen that. No. So so and let's and let's talk about this, right? So he got on stage and he was like, uh, you know, whatever the evidence, the grand jury didn't indict them. But you saw the grand jury member who was like, hold on. Put him on blast. You, this ain't Don't right. put this on us. Because yeah, you're trying to make it seem like it's our fault that this happened. You ain't taking responsibility. Exactly. Yes. So, and and thank God that that jury member spoke the law. Yes. Because not many people know that you can, you can do what he did or he or she. I don't know if, who that member was. And we probably won't. Yeah, we probably won't, but you can you can file a motion Mm-mm. to to get that stuff. Yeah. Now, what happened when did you see what happened when they filed the motion? No. He Wait. was like, "Uh, I need some time before we can release this because really? it needs to be I don't remember if he said it needed to be redacted or something needed to be something." And I was like, "Ooh, redacted makes sense, but I was like, this is about to be a cover. Well, it's already a cover up. All all day. All day. But um there were some things that he was like, I'll I'll get it out, but there are some things that need to be cleared up, right? Anyway, all that to say, he got on Fox News. And this is hmm. what he said. We're gonna listen to it right here. Good old Fox. Uh that because I have a different political philosophy uh, and because in my role as the attorney general and as the special prosecutor in the- and let me stop and say that he's talking because because people have been calling and like we said in the beginning people have been calling him a traitor to his race and mm-hmm. this is his response oh, to his i'm a traitor <laughs> to my race okay so let me go back in there 
Breonna Taylor investigation because I led with the facts and the truth and had that lead to the conclusion, uh, somehow I've betrayed my race. It is repugnant. Uh, it is so disappointing. Uh, but it's par for the course. Anytime someone stands for the truth, and when that truth is different from a narrative that has been pushed uh, by others, uh, this is how they respond. And if you look at my social media, uh, you'll see countless folks uh, who have made similar statements and comments. Uh, but I'm here tonight to say that enough is enough and that black Republicans, folks that believe in the truth, that we're going to stand up. Uh, and that's what I did in presenting all of the information to the grand jury in the Breonna Taylor investigation. That's what I'm charged to do. That is my responsibility is the Attorney General of the Commonwealth of Kentucky. That's what the citizens here of all 120 counties deserve, uh, and that's what they elected me to do. Well, God bless you for your calm and for your bravery. I don't, I don't think I could. I don't think I could handle it if I were you. Oh um, but I'm glad you, you can. Oh, so if you, since you're here um, and we've covered this case quite a bit, there's been a, a lot of competing stories about what there was actually MSNBN, happened. Clear up for us, MSNBC if you would, since you're no one more involved in this than you. He's skin folk, but he ain't skin folk. What misinformation is out there about the Breonna Taylor case? Well, the biggest myth that is being promoted right now, uh, and we're not going to get into it because now they're talking about you know. Stuff in the investigation. Semantics. But did, did you hear it? Did you hear it? I don't know if you heard it. I, I heard it. But did you hear it? I had to listen with my third eye. Right. So <laughs> I heard a lot. So I, I don't know which heard you talking about. So, right, let, so me t- let me hear what you're talking about. Now this sounds weird. Listening with my third eye. Right. But I was listening with my third eye. For the woke um, folk. They yeah, get. yeah. So <laughs> he's like, he's talking because because. I don't remember who was on MSNBC that day, but said, yeah, he's skin folk, but he ain't kin folk, which they wasn't lying. Right. Um, but <clears throat> he said, you know, there are people who say these things. Look at my social media. Yeah. Think about that. Now, yeah. look at my social media. This dude, he's got to be, a, he, he's running an election in a, in a few years, right? So right. if I get you on my social media, and you see some, and I'm, and I snag you in. Now I got another support. I either got a supporter Follower. or I got a subscriber, which can give me more money, more yeah. dollars in my yep. pocket, right? Yep. <clears throat> another thing he said that the Republican. Oh, I don't know if he. I don't think he said it because I think it's at the end. But something he says is that the Republican Party, like because people think differently in the Republican Party, they think that. You know, like black people, this monolith. He, and I think he says that at the end. He didn't say that. You didn't hear him say that. But, yeah. But he says that. And I'm like, what does being a Republican have to do with this? Specifically. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And I'm like, yep. mm, something ain't right here. This dude is preparing himself to run for something. Mitch McConnell's seat. Hmm. You heard it here first. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not no damn psychic, but when Mitch McConnell is done, Cameron's gonna be that person in that seat. You heard it here first, folks. Mark my word. I believe it. I'm just. I believe Amy it. McGrath ain't gonna get it. Like I, I know, and she's she's great, right? White woman. She was a a pilot, um, in the military. Like great, great person, great lady. But let's be real. When you're looking to fill a quota, the more boxes you can check with that quota, the better, because that means you have to go after less quotas after. Yeah. If I can get a black man who's willing to come out and speak the way Daniel Cameron is, how much more powerful is that than a white woman? The only thing more powerful than a black man Coming out speaking that way is a black woman. Yeah. And, and that's why Diamond and Silk's stupid ass has is, is been elevated to where they, you know, I think about it, I'm like, damn, if if I just, ju- you know, shuck and jive for, just a little bit. for the Republican Party, can I get this money too? Just a little bit. <laughs> and it's funny because I think that another thing that this country does, and this is the slap in the face that these folks should feel. Barack Obama ain't black. Kamala Harris ain't black. 
hold on, I'm gonna need you to justify that because they black to me. <laughs> now, now, based on societal standards, yes. But if you look at what they are, they're mixed. Well, that means yeah, yeah, biracial. Yeah. yeah, they are biracial. You get by what law. I'm saying? Well, they're biracial. By genetics. Yeah, they, by genetics, they're biracial. They identify as black. Right. Yeah. So you're you're taking it in the literal. I'm okay. literal. I want to clear Full that up literal. for everybody because yes. I don't want people to be like, uh, yes. he's saying they're not black because yes. we know that they are. Full literal. Full okay. literal sense. And, and I think that I'm so glad you brought that up because one of the most important things that needs to be addressed is how do you identify so my job we were looking at executive level folks and diversity and out of our executives and on my side of the business out of the five three were diverse a woman white woman white woman no women no women no women what no women it was a man who two men who claimed hispanic and one, no, I'm sorry, one that claimed Hispanic, one claimed Asian, and one who is Indian. Okay. And when I say Indian, I mean India, India. Yeah. And you know what's crazy? A lot of people, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. Um, but a lot of people, when we use the word diversity, white women are in that category. They are. They and should I, be I at least. That, yeah. Well, they are. No, no doubt about it. Um, but I think people forget that. Yeah. So when they're looking at diversity numbers and they're yelling diversity, we don't have enough diversity on paper. It's like, well, we, well, we do, right? Because yep. you have white women. Yes. And it, and it kind of skews the. Yes. The num- it, it, throw, it upsets them. And that's why I said it should. Yeah. Because I don't think that everybody looks at it that way. Yeah. Women in general have been played in America. Yes. Let's call it what it is. They've been played. So. A black woman has been double played. Fair. I mean, historically, I'm and I'm just looking at the historical piece of this. Yes, because let's let's be real. Up until about mid eighteen or a little bit the nineteen hundreds, women yes, couldn't 19, vote. They yeah. couldn't do anything. Right? You you had to if you're a woman, you had to get a cosigner, a male cosigner, your husband to get a credit card. Like you couldn't do anything yes. by yourself. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, um, essentially American men. And I'm going to say this with with full disclosure. I mean, because these are the people who were writing the laws. American white men literally have or pigeonholed women. So here's what I'm going to say. And I'm going to be less diplomatic in my approach. Every group that has existed. I'm going to say across the world their issues have been with the same group for the most part. I'm sure there are exceptions. So again, we don't speak exception. We speak rule. Yeah. That's basic psychology, the rule and the exception. The exception is the outlier for the most part. Everybody's issue has been with white men, which is interesting because then I look at Trump and his election and the largest group that voted for Trump is white males. And behind that is white females between the ages of 40 and 60, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, makes sense. So the question is, hmm, Trump gets out here and says all of these evil, nasty, disgusting things about women. He gets found out. They have audio, video, whatever. Right. But these same women who have been impacted by this are out voting for him. And it told me a very, very clear story. White women did not want to trying to think of the way to say this. There's, there's obviously a benefit with being with a powerful white man. Yes. I don't know if I want to jeopardize my experience for what's right based off of what I can get. I'm not going to say that's every white woman's experience in that 40 to 60 range, but it makes me ask the question because when I think about women's liberation, women's rights, the majority of the folks I see on the forefront, white women. Yeah. 
So how did those same white women that make up this core group that are against everything that Trump stands for in terms of his interactions and dealings with women, how did they go and vote for him? Yeah. And, and adjacent, this is going to go adjacent to that. I mean, think about, I'm going to say this. There are white women like that. Mm -hmm. However, comma, there are also white women that believe that narrative that they are supposed to be subservient, supposed to be submissive. Did that man? Yeah. For example, the Supreme Court nomination, Amy Bar, Bar first off, she's a whole hot mess. Yeah. Um, you see, she got two, she adopted two black kids from Haiti. When? Uh, she's had them. Oh, okay, she's I was about to say. Them. But I'm just saying she has like five, six, seven kids. Gotcha. But two of them are black kids from Haiti. Of course, makes sense. Uh, which I'm about to, period, full stop. I'm about to take a left turn um, to when we talk about kids or not kids, but when we talk about just black people in general and black people not growing up around people that look like them or trying to get thinking that being white is right or be trying to be next to that whiteness, like, yep. Um, how that changes your thought process. Absolutely. Now, I don't know those kids, but I always wonder, like, what is what is that thought process? Like, do they do they see me and you like yeah. as a threat? Do they see me and you as like come here? I want to, you know, which leads me to our next thing that I want to talk about before we're out of here. Okay. Um. So, and I sent you, I sent you this. <sighs> I'm going to share it with the people. Let's share. So this is, you know, this is what I think white folks, how they feel about us. And not just white folks, but just the white folks that move the needle. Yes. Yes. Let's clarify that. Because yeah. I, th- I think those are good white people that don't Absolutely. care less. There are allies out there. But the people who, like the Koch brothers, Robert Kraft, those guys. Yes. This is... This is gonna hold true. We're gonna we're gonna play this real quick. So hold on. Liberals who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard. You liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Oh, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. Oh, you know, we have to move them up. And they're talking if we about leave a smart people. one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. Oh, my God. Now, does, does that not sound like Daniel Cameron? Boy. Because, I mean, let's think about it. Everything that that white man said, and he's talking about getting the... the creature I'm, comforts. Yeah, I'm about, to, I'm about to air quote this, the good black people are out of the ghetto, yes. right? Um, considering that... You know, 70, was it 78% of black people don't live in poverty, but whatever. Um, get the good black folks out the ghetto and we neutralize them against their own people. Yeah. I mean, we talked, we just had a whole sermon about Daniel Cameron, about how yeah. we like, you know, he's good. Was that not right there? They- <laughs> so, so one of the things I think is one of the most important pieces of that. You conservatives, blah, blah, blah. You liberals, blah, blah, blah. When in American politics, what's a conservative for the most part? In in American politics? Yes. Well, I, mean, I don't. Let me ask it a different way. Yeah, ask, ask me differently. When people refer to the liberals in terms of party, who are they talking about? Generally talking about Democrat. When they refer to conservatives in terms of politics, who are they talking about? Jaren talking about the Republican Party. So when I hear that, I'm saying, so this is a conversation behind the scenes with 
conservatives and liberals, which means Republicans and Democrats. And Democrats. Yeah. What's the Indian proverb? Left wing, right wing, or the left wing and the right wing are both part of the same bird. Truth. So Indian proverb says that. I love it. I love it because it's so true. Mm-hmm. And and this is why it bothers me so much because again, I don't think we as a culture, people of color, black folks, and I really like the term. I saw this Afro-American. Yeah. Because we're not necessarily African-American. We were born here in America. Yeah. But our ancestry clearly yeah. leads us to Africa. Afro-American is, is an old, that, that was in the 1800s, early 1900s when we started saying that. Not afro American, Afra, A-F-R-I, uh, American, Afro-American. And, and I, I certainly wouldn't argue with anybody about the term. Yeah. But the point is, when I hear that, it makes me think this. We have had to fight from the ground from day one. We were savages. We were in this country. In this country. We were considered savages. We were considered three fifths. We were then considered, all right, I guess he's a full man, woman. Uh, 15, what was that, 14th Amendment? But they're not capable of this. So, still not fully a human. Okay, they can be considered human. So, it took us from being savage. To three fifths, to not really a man, woman, to okay, I guess we'll accept them as that, but not really. Think about that. What other race of people has had to deal with that? The Jewish people. Sort of. I mean, adjacent. Adjacent. Or parallel. Either either or. I mean, yes. Probably adjacent, more adjacent than parallel. Yes, more adjacent. And, and, And that's not to to detract from their struggle because yeah. they had a legitimate one. Yeah. But I don't remember outside of one man and the people that followed that one man speaking that way about Jewish folk. Yeah. Now you'll hear some of our, and I say our because they're primarily people of color, black, nation of Islam folks speaking a certain way about Jewish culture. Yeah, but the one thing that the nation has never done is try to rid the planet of Jewish people. Yeah, they never did that. Never did that. So I I, I want to put that out there because I think it's important to understand that there has never been a group of people on this planet who has been put at the absolute sole of the shoe and had to work themselves up. And the point that you brought up on an earlier episode was from Booker T about pulling your, well, I don't know if it was Booker T, pulling yourself up by your bootstrap. Oh, no, 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 that was Martin Luther King. Boss. That was Martin, yes. And yeah, it said, Martin well, how am I going to pull myself up from the bootstrap? How do you ask a bootless man to pull himself up by his bootstrap? There it goes. Yeah. There it goes. So for me, I look at it and I'm just like, there is no group that's experienced, that has experienced what we have experienced. There's no group who suffers from the trauma that we suffer from because the Holocaust was legit. That was real downright despicable behavior by evil folks. Yep. But look at my Jewish brothers and sisters now. Flourish. Flourish. A lot of them. A lot of them. Not all. Yeah. But a lot of them. And we're not talking about their flourishing. How many Jewish basketball players do you know are at the top of the NBA? Uh, that own the team? No, 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 no. no. Players. (laughs) No, no, I'm saying that on the team, I don't know no players. I know. There, there may be a couple. There might be. But I I mean, I don't know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. I, now, I know, I guess, what's dude in the NFL? Edelman? Julian Edelman? Julian, he, he's, he's Jewish. I think Jewish he man. is because he got upset about um, some other player was talking about how black people was the chosen people. And my, was that Deshaun yeah, Jackson? Yeah. But I think Edelman is Jewish because he was like... I want to take you to the damn Jewish Holocaust Museum or whatever. But mm, 
okay. just, if I was Deshaun Jackson, I mean, I would have went, but I was like, all right, then let me take you to the African American Museum and let's talk about my plight. Right. How you your people went through this for a small period of time, mm-hmm. but my people went through this since the 1500s. Right. So, I digress. Hey. Yeah. We ran out of time, though. I digress right at, at, at the time. <laughs> That's right on time, matter of fact. Yeah. So, we got about five minutes left. So. <sighs> And I hate it because it seems like, man, like what we need to do is we need to have another shop talk episode because it feels like every episode is just so heavy. Yeah. And I'm glad that's the case, though, because I want to say this today. If you think if you're getting tired of if you're like, man, all these issues, y'all always talking about issues. This is the life of a person (laughs) Of color. These are the conversations that I have to have with my family. Yes. You know what I'm saying? And and these are the conversations you don't want to have with your family. And these are the conversations that a lot of times when you're talking to older people, oh, they don't want to have they don't want to talk about at all. It. Why? Because it, it brings up too much there, there's there's trauma there. There's there's reasons there, there's there's a reason why when I talk to my grandparents about certain things they don't want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Or they play it off nonchalant. Yes. Right? There, there are reasons to this. There, it's in our DNA. There is some trauma that we don't want to address oh, head on. Oh Jesus. And and I think that you know sometimes that stunts our growth as a people it because does. there are traumas that we go through that we do not want to talk yes. about. Everybody else is talking about their traumas. Yep. We need to talk about our traumas. But the problem about us talking about our traumas is that um, the dominant people in this country try to minimize yes, our the, the validity. Yeah, they try to minimize it, which that's on purpose. Of course. Right? Of course. But 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 we need to get everybody we need to acknowledge. I mean, if you're sick or I say if you're sick, if you're like if you're an alcoholic mm-hmm. and you are trying to get clean, what do you first got to do? Admit you that you got a problem. That you got a problem, right? So we have to admit or I say we, we, a lot of us have, um, but as a people, we need to admit, Hey, one people, one dream, you know, we, one team, one dream. Yes. We were done wrong. How do we move forward? Yes. And how can we get the, everybody else to help us move forward? Yes. And if they ain't going to help us, we're going to help ourselves move forward. Yes. And, and man, thank you so much for bringing that up. Cause that, that's exactly where I stand exactly where i stand today is the if they're not what do we do next because i'm all about strategy yeah being strategic in our thought process not just action but thought process like outside of the box oh wait a minute so you're saying that if i smile at my neighbor who's another black person and i disarm them with that now they're able to okay they might be kind of cool now we're talking now we build a relationship now our kids play now i trust you to watch my kids and vice versa now we're talking investment groups now we're talking about going in on a business together that is why it's so important for us to get to this place that you're talking about yep it can't just be oh white folks yes they did yeah but now what do we do about it yeah, how do we move forward? Or as Oprah says, how do we overcome? <laughs> so. Another topic, another day. Yeah. But but either way, that's that. Yeah. Um, we got like one minute left. I'm going to say this. Get uncomfortable, do some things you don't want to do. Get into crypto space right now. We are about to see some inflation. Big go time. On. Big um, time. So I would probably start working on something else. Yes. Um, in terms of cash. Um, so that's that's my final thought. Look at get in the crypto game. Look at it and at least I don't know, buy a little bit. Yeah. See what happens. Just see. Just <laughs> so see. It's like going to the it's like buying a lot of tickets. Yep. So that yep. that's my that's my 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 I'm gonna leave you with that. What you got? Yep. Thank you for that, Todd, because when Trump was uh it was announced that he had tested positive for COVID, what happened to the stock market? Stock market dropped. However, comma, part of the well, the crypto market dropped too, but then it shot back up. That's so, what I'm saying. There you go. That's what I'm saying. So 
uh, I, I don't really have a secondary thought to that. I think what you said is perfect. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'll add this piece into it. We got to be strategic. It had a, Voting is not the only answer. There has to be more that we do yeah. besides just voting. You got to get in your community. Got to get just around the people. Straight up. You got to. So with that, we're going to leave y'all and we'll be back on next week. So right. we out. Peace.